Bonsoir. Welcome to another Parsons News Radio Theater podcast. I'm Lance Davis. Jean Giraudoux, born October 29, 1882, in Balac, just north of Limoges, was a French novelist, essayist, and diplomat, and one of the most important French playwrights of the 20th century. After serving in World War I and receiving the Légion d'honneur, Giraudoux turned to writing. His work was considered avant-garde, and he avoided realism, preferring tragicomedy, bringing opposing characters together in stylistic argument and fantasy. His first novel in 1921, Siegfried et le Limousin, I can already hear the French people correcting me, tells the story of a soldier wounded in battle who suffers from amnesia and awakes in a German hospital where he slowly discovers that he is French. Giraudoux seemed haunted, as many were, by the insanity of the atrocities committed in The War to End All Wars, the frightening repetition of the world it produced, and the desperate need to wake up and return to our humanity before the world, as the Countess would say, drives into a ditch. Tonight we focus on La Folle de Chaillot, The Madwoman of Chaillot, written during the Nazi occupation of Paris. It was produced for the first time in 1946, after Giraudoux's death, by his good friend Louis Jouvet. The scene is the Café Chez Francis, a Giraudoux hangout just across the Seine from the Eiffel Tower. It's much grander now, Mary and I visited it a few years ago, but it still captures just a bit of the romance of wartime Chaillot, the neighborhood surrounding it. Perhaps the bankers and the presidents outnumber the ragmen and tradespeople, but one can easily imagine a side street nearby where an elegant eccentric and her companions might have tea and discuss revolution. The first act, lasting about 50 minutes, takes place outside the café. The second act, about 20 minutes, takes place in the ancient basement of Countess Aurelia's home in Chaillot. You, of course, may pause the recording at any time, find a glass of wine, and pick it up again. The beauty of radio theater, isn't it? The cast features the Parsons Nose players, Mary Shalon as the Countess Aurelia, Jill Rogashevsky, Marissa Chandler, Heather Taylor, John Lee, Gary Lamb, John Harnigal, Barry Gordon, James Calvert, Ronnie King, Paul Perry, and Lance Davis. The original score is by Tom Peters. The adaptation is by Lance Davis. If you enjoy our work, please, donations are more than welcome at parsonsnose.org. And now, the Madwoman of Chaillot.
tell those musicians from hell? Do you hear, mademoiselle, those musicians from hell? My dear Baron. Monsieur le Président. Don't get up. Sit down, sit down. The savoo. <laughs> well, here we are. This is an historic occasion, eh, monsieur? It must be properly celebrated. Of course. Macanudo. Oh, splendid. <laughs> Merci, Monsieur le Président. Uh, you know, my friend, this all gives me the feeling of one of those enchanted mornings in the Arabian Nights when thieves gather in the marketplace. <laughs> yes, yes. Well then, Baron, first, tell me about yourself. Well then, Monsieur le Président, where shall I begin? Do you hear, Mademoiselle, those musicians from hell? Do you hear, Mademoiselle, those musicians from hell? You, girl, get rid of that fellow. But he's singing La Belle Polnaise, Monsieur. Did I ask you for his program? I asked you to get rid of him. Maurice, could you help me in the pantry? Now then. As you were saying, Baron, I'm sure it's a fascinating story. Well, let me see. It's difficult. Where to begin? Uh, because until I was 52, my life was relatively uncomplicated, you see. It consisted of selling off, one by one, the various family estates left me by my father. Three years ago, I parted with my last farm. Then two years ago, my last mistress... And now all that's left, I'm afraid, is my title. But your title is precisely what we need, Baron, on our board of directors. Oh, really? Well, that is very flattering, and I'd be delighted. But, but now, how about you, Monsieur le Président? I'm sure your life's been fascinating. My life? Well, my life, Baron, has been quite... The opposite experience from yours. Up from the bottom came I. No family to speak of. My father completely disappeared when I was two. My mother spent all her life bent over a wash tub in order to send me to school. I'm eternally grateful, of course, but I'm afraid I no longer remember her face. It's a pity. I try to recall it. But I can remember only that part she invariably showed me. Her bottom. <laughs> My mother. Why, that's very, very touching, monsieur. I almost feel something. And so when I was thrown out of school for the fifth and last time, I was determined to see the world for myself and find out just what makes it turn. I became an errand boy. At first for an editor, then a movie star, then a financier. That's when I began to understand what life really is. Then, one day, October 22nd, in the metro, I saw a face. My meteoric professional rise dates from that fateful day. Really? Destiny! <laughs> one look, Baron, and I knew... One look and he knew. We met and I made my first thousand, passing a bag of counterfeit francs. A year later I saw another face. He got me into pharmaceuticals. And since then all I've done is look for faces. 
I am currently president of 11 corporations, 52 companies, and beginning today, chairman of the board of an international combine, of which you are now a board member. Uh, shoelaces, uh, postcards. Oh, oh, excuse me, monsieur, but did you drop something? Get away, filth. I never drop anything. Oh, ah, then this uh, hundred franc note isn't yours. What? Damn you, of course it is. Give me that. Get out. Il n'y a pas de quoi, monsieur. Au revoir, monsieur. Was it yours? All 100 franc notes are mine, Baron. Of course. Do you hear, mademoiselle, those musicians from hell? Ah, mademoiselle, may I ask, why must that fool keep singing those same damn two lines? He doesn't know the rest, monsieur. He hopes someday somebody else will. Well, why doesn't he sing a song he knows? Oh, he likes this one. This isn't a cafe. It's a madhouse. Uh, but now then, Monsieur le Président, there's something I've been meaning to ask, if I may. What exactly is the purpose of our new company? My dear Baron, I haven't the faintest idea. No? But if you don't know, who does? Well, nobody. And at the moment, that is a trifle embarrassing. Yes, dear Baron, since we're now partners, I must confess that we're in a sticky bit of trouble. Aha! Our stock isn't doing well? No, no. On the contrary, the stock is doing beautifully, like a rocket. Well then, what is the trouble? You see, Baron, we have a tremendous amount of capital, but not the slightest idea of what to do with it. You mean people are fighting to buy stock in a company that has no purpose? Exactly. Surely, Baron, you realize that when a trader buys a share of stock, he has no comprehension of getting behind a counter or digging a ditch. Oh, no. A stock certificate is not a tool like a, a shovel or a commodity like cheese. It's a glimpse of the Elysian fields. Our function is to stimulate the imagination. We are poets. But don't we need a business? Not a business. What we need is a name. A name that will stir the pulse like a trumpet call, that will inspire reverence like a cathedral. United, general, international, consolidated. Of course, that's been used. And we, do we have such a name? Not at present. Only a blank space. In that blank space, a name must be printed, and it must be a masterpiece. If I seem a little nervous today, it's because I've racked my brains, but it has eluded me. And, oh, shh, look at that. Oh, yes, the answer to a prayer. There's one right now. Oh, and what a beauty. You mean the girl? Not the girl, that face, you see. Sipping water. That's not a face. That's a gravestone. A milestone. A signpost. <laughs> he sees me. He's nodding. He understands. He'll be over. And when he comes? And when he comes, he will tell us what to do. And you would trust a complete stranger? Baron, I trust neither my wife nor my daughter nor my closest friend. 
My own secretary and my mistress have no idea where I live. But a face like that, I would trust with my inmost secrets. Though we have never before laid eyes on each other, that man and I know each other to the depths of our souls. He's no stranger, Baron. He's my brother. You shall see. Shoelaces, postcards. Oh, you. I, I probably could use a new shoelace. Baron! I, I have uh, black and tan and tan and black. Uh, which would you recommend? Well, men of your position could go either way. <laughs> yes, yes. I guess I could. Uh, give me one of each. Baron. As your new chairman, I realize I have no authority over your personal life. But I ask you, as a personal favor to me, to buy nothing from this man. Uh, but, uh, well, of course, I must honor such a gracious request. Uh, move along, monsieur. Au revoir, messieurs. Shoelaces, postcards. I must ask, monsieur le président, what difference would it have made? You must realize, Baron, that now you are with us. Between you and the common riffraff is now an impenetrable barrier. We must have no dealings with that sort whatsoever. But without us, he will starve. He? Oh, no, it is to laugh. He doesn't need us, Baron, I assure you. These people have a world all their own, don't you see? They laugh at our generosity. That's why they dare to be so insolent. But now, here comes our friend, our broker. Monsieur le Président, my heartiest congratulations, eh? What a day. First, I must introduce the Baron, Monsieur. Enchanté, Monsieur Le Baron. Enchanté. Sit, sit, sit. Now then, what's up? What's up? <laughs> what's up? Everything. A quick recap, if you permit me. The day begins. Ten o'clock. A blue sky. The market opens. Half a million shares issued at 100, quoted on the curb at 124. We start buying at 126, 127. It's going up. 132, 138, 140. May I ask? Just listen. It'll only confuse you. 1010. Rumors of a communist plot. We're selling short. 141, 138, 132. Down, down, down. 102. We start back at 93. 1020. Rumors denied. 95, 98, 101. By 1030, we've got it all back. The bell. Success. Net profit. Three and one half million. Bravo! Baron, do you get the idea? I I'm beginning to. How thrilling. No, no. Now the thrilling part. With 35% of our capital, we buy 50,000 United at 36. I immediately reconvert into National Amalgamated, which I collateralize on general consoles, which I deposit for Eastern Hennequin which I immediately blend into Argentinian wheat. I immediately get London and New York into the game, and up we go, 26, 
62, 101, 202, 303. Oh, behind you, here comes the face. Here comes the face. Here comes the face. Well then, I need a name. A name. 50,000. A corporation. Something... Unusual? Yes. Provocative? Yes. Yet practical? Yes. 50,000. I'm listening. There, with me. International Substrate of Paris Incorporated. <gasps> My God! Now then, what does it mean? It means exactly what it says. You see, I'm a prospector. A what? A prospector. A prospector. Oh, what luck! It's fate! Baron, meet one of nature's nobility. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a bit... It, it is he, Baron, who sniffs deeply into the bowels of the earth, searching for the metals and liquids on which can be founded the only permanent unit of Western civilization, the corporation. We are honored, monsieur. And now, uh, now that we have uh, a name... You need a property. Precisely! It's uncanny! I have one. Foreign? French. Morocco? Indochina? Not in France. Paris. Paris? Paris? You've been prospecting in Paris. For women? For gold? For oil, mes amis. Oil? Oil? Is he nuts? I heard that, monsieur. Nuts? They thought Columbus was nuts. But oil? In Paris? Olive oil. How is that possible? <laughs> you have no idea, my friends, what treasures Paris conceals. We've gone all over the rest of the known world with a fine-toothed comb. But no one, no one has ever thought of looking for oil in Paris before me. Genius. Uh, and no one has thought of it before because... Because the treasures of the earth, gentlemen, are neither easy to find nor to get at. They are invariably guarded by dragons. Guarded for reasons, of course. <gasps> what reason? Well, you see, once we've dug out the planet and thereby perhaps destroyed its internal balance... There's a possibility it could shoot off into space. Oh. Is it a risk? Yes, it's a risk we take. <sighs> but that's not my concern. Believe me, in my work, I have enough to worry about. Snakes. Worse, civilization. Oh. Always in our way, smothering the earth with cities and towns. And you know, it's not the real estate people. No, they're fine. It's the damned... Human sentimentality. Ugh. Feelings. How the hell are we supposed to deal with that? Feelings. Blah. I agree completely. The constant whining that where we pass, nothing ever grows again. Well, so what? 
Is a park intrinsically better than a coal mine? A mountain so different from a slag pile? <laughs> Look out your window, into your own garden. What would you rather see? An almond tree or an oil well? Well? Exactly. <laughs> but you can't argue with them. You find the most delightful place imaginable for an excavation. They want a playground. <laughs> a playground for, get this, the children. The yeah. children. It's not fair. It's favoring one group over the common good. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. Well, it must end. Now I'm getting steamed. My friend, you just tell us where you want to start digging, and we'll take care of the rest. I don't care if it's in the middle of the Louvre. Where's the oil? We're with you. No, no, no. Not so fast, monsieur. Patience. Oil has to be sniffed out. You think that's easy in Paris, where everything conspires to put you off the scent? Women, perfume, flowers. Luckily, I have been blessed with a phenomenal nose. And the minute I get onto the right whiff, like right now, right here. Right here? You mean in Chaillot? Under Chaillot. Good God! But whatever would make you think... Do you know this place, Baron? Know it? I've been sitting here for 30 years. Then you've tasted the water. The water? Good heavens, no. <laughs> You're not a prospector, Baron. Water, gentlemen, is the one thing from which the Earth can conceal nothing. Water sucks out its hidden secrets. And I've been tasting water all the way up the Seine from Notre Dame. Glassful by glassful. Two days ago, I reached this cafe. I took a sip. My heart thumped. I took another. No question. Petroleum. Waiter, water, and four glasses. This round is on me, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, gentlemen, I propose a toast to International Substrate of Paris, Incorporated. Show us how, Monsieur. Mm. Well, that's good, good, yeah. It's nice. Yes. Well, fruity, uh, hints of dirt. Yes, to the unsophisticated. But to the expert, Elysium. But I don't understand, monsieur. This cafe doesn't have its own well, does it? Of course not. This is Parisian water. Then why should it taste different in Chile? Because the pipes that carry the water go deep into the earth. And the earth just here... Under Chaillot is ancient and soaked with oil which permeates the pipes. Phenomenal! Yes, I am. But here is our dilemma, gentlemen. The bureaucrats won't let me drill until I can show them oil. And I can't show them oil until I drill. A typical functionnaire foul-up. So, I'm completely stymied, aren't I? Not you, I'll bet. You're right, Monsieur le Président. Shall I tell you of my little plan? I Are my bones ready, Irma? And my gizzard? Ye gods, what's 
that. Not today, Countess. We just had broilers. But a gentleman inside is just finishing his lunch. Try to sneak them off his plate. Do try. But if he eats my gizzards, at least save my giblets. They're for the tomcat under the bridge. Oui, Countess. Wait, tell that woman to move along. But this is her cafe, Monsieur. Her <laughs> cafe? Is she the manager? No, she's the madwoman of Chaillot. She's what? She's mad? Not usually. Who says? You did. I did not. You asked who she was. I said the madwoman of Chaillot. Call the police immediately and have her taken away. Have you found my feather boa, Maurice? Not yet, Countess. Oh, well, it's been five years, Maurice. Surely you've had time. Well, perhaps you'll take one of these scarves, Countess. Uh, the blue one? With my green veil? <laughs> you jest. <laughs> I'll try the ochre. Uh. There. How does it look? Magnifique, Countess. <laughs> Merci, Maurice. Waiter, I'm making a formal complaint. You are? Oh, that's so sad. Against whom? You! All of you! Huh! You, the rag picker! Now, now! Don't you see? To succeed, the very first thing we have to do is get rid of these people! Raise the whole tone of the neighborhood! Look at them. Every size and shape and color. It's anarchy. We need uniformity. I am convinced that the only safeguard to business is this order and discipline of a standardized worker with interchangeable parts. Just a manager and a judge sweating and grinding. Order. Balance. But we don't have that here in Chaillot, do we? Not a bit. I tell you, whenever the poor are happy, the waiter's proud, the mad respected, our power is at an end. My God, are my bones ready, Irma? My bones? Monsieur le Président, I think we were discussing my plan. What? I'm sorry. Yes, of course. <clears throat> Where were we? Do you know what a bum is? A bum? A bum. A bum. A bum. A bum! Well, it explodes, right? Exactly. It explodes. And do you see that white building across the river? Yes. That is the office of the city architect of Paris. The imbecile who has refused for months to give me the permit to drill. I've tried everything. Influence, bribes, threats. He says I'm crazy. Am I? Yes, I'm crazy to wait any longer. What time is it? Uh, four minutes to noon. Monsieur, if you watch closely, in four minutes you're going to see the city architect of Paris blown into the sky, right in his own building. What? Are you serious? He has only himself to blame. He's had 24 hours. No permit? Very well. In one minute, my agent will shove a package right down his coal chute. One minute after that, the new city architect will be much more reasonable, I promise you. Uh, are we sitting a little close? Don't worry. Here we go. Ten. Nine. Eight. Wrong! Damn it! Good God, what's that? No! Is that you, Pierre? Who? My agent, the fool. Oh, my! Officer, who have you got there? Stand back, stand back. Drowned, man. Drowned? His clothes are perfectly dry. Well, yes, technically, he's more decked than drowned. He was about to jump, and I thought he might drag me in, so I decked him. I checked the manual. It's allowed. Stupid amateur. I should have... 
I wonder what he did with the bomb. Do you think he'll give you away? Oh, officer, what's that you're doing? Artificial respiration. You said he isn't drowning. No, but he thinks he's drowning. Well, my friend, you're not going to get very far there. Artificial respiration is for someone who's drowning, not for someone who isn't drowning. Well, the manual says that... uh, uh, What am I supposed to do then? It's obvious. You take him back to the bridge. You throw him in. Then you jump in, save his life, and get promoted. Maybe even a medal. (gasps) But this way, you'll only get demoted for punching a child. But I... No buts. Hurry to the bridge. Throw him in. Then jump in after him. Uh, I, I don't swim. You'll learn on the way down. It all comes back. Before you were born, did you know how to breathe? No. Same thing. Fascinating. What if... Let's get out of here. Come along, Baron. Give him air, everyone. Au revoir. Au revoir, mes amis. Félicitations. Wait. What's that? Sergeant, did you hear? Two women are calling for help on Avenue Wilson. Two women? Mon Dieu. How beautiful he is. Is he dead? You must check. Do you have a mirror? Oh, but of course you do. Hold it to his mouth. If it clouds... It's cloud. Then he's alive. Pat his cheek. Oh. How beautiful. Homer? Homer? Yes, coming. You're looking at my iris. Isn't it beautiful? Yes, it is. I must go. No, no, don't be silly. Let me go, madame. I shall do nothing of the sort. If you let people go, you never see them again. I let Adolf Berto go when I was holding him, and I never saw him again. Except once, 30 years later, in the market. He didn't know me. He sneaked a melon right from under my nose. Uh, Oh, a sergeant! I'm back. Now, where was I? Oh, he's recovered. He has not. Of course he has. He was drowning in the Seine. No, he wasn't. He's drowning right here. But I'm holding him tightly, as I should have held Adolf Berto. He's much better looking, don't you think, Sergeant? How would I know, Countess? I've shown you his photograph, the one on the bicycle. With a hair lip? That wasn't a hair lip. It was a scratch in the negative. Sergeant, what are you doing? I'm going to take down his name and date of birth. You think that that will stop him from jumping into the river? Don't be silly, Sergeant. Put that away and console him. Console him? Me? Of course. When people want to die, it is your job as guardian of the state to speak out in praise of life. It is? Yes, certainly. Well, I assume you must have some motivation for interfering with people's attempts to kill each other. You must believe life has some value. Tell him what it is. Well, uh, you see, young man... His name is Roderick. No, it's not. Yes, it is. At noon, all men become Roderick. Except uh, Adolf Berto. Yes, yes, you see, in the days of Adolf Berto, we were forced to change the men when we got tired of their names. But nowadays, we are more practical. Each hour, all the names are changed, and the men remain the same. But you're not here to discuss Adolf Berto, Sergeant. You're here to convince this young man that life is worth living. No, it isn't. No, that's enough there. What's the idea of jumping off the bridge? The idea was to land in the river, Sergeant. Madame, how can I convince anyone that life is worth living if you keep interrupting? Now then, uh, Monsieur Roderick, uh, you must realize that uh, suicide is a crime against the state. Why? Why, because 
Because every time someone commits uh, suicide, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's one less soldier for the army, one, one less taxpayer. Uh, one, oh, one good le- heavens, Sergeant. I am sorry, but isn't there something about life that you enjoy? Enjoy? Surely, in all these years, you must have found something worth living for, some secret pleasure. Oh, don't blush. Uh, well, uh, the fact is, since you ask, is that I love to play casino. <laughs> yes, and, and, uh, and if uh, the, uh, the gentleman would like to join me when I go off duty and, uh, and have a nice little game in the back room with a beer, if he, if he wants to kill an hour? Sergeant, he doesn't want to kill an hour. He wants to kill himself. You are not earning your salary, officer. Well, then you try, Countess, and see how easy it is. Oh, pooh! This isn't a difficult case at all. A young man who has fallen in love with someone who has just fallen in love with him? She has? Oh, yeah. How could she? Oh, Roderick, I know why you tried to drown yourself. The prospector wanted you to commit some horrible crime, didn't he? How did you know? I know because he stole my boa, and I know that now he wants to kill me. But I'm not so easy to get rid of, you see, because I have no desire to die. Then you're fortunate. Yes, we are. To be alive is to be fortunate, Roderick. Of course, in the morning, when you first wake up, it doesn't always seem so gay. When you take your hair out of the drawer and your teeth out of the glass, you are apt to feel a little out of place. Especially if you've been dreaming that you were a little girl on a pony looking for strawberries. But all you need to feel the call of life once more is a letter in the mail, giving you your schedule for the day, mending, Shopping, the letter to grandma that you never seem to get to. And then, when you've washed your face in rose water and powdered and put on your pins and rings and brooches, bracelets, earrings and pearls, in short, when you're dressed for your morning coffee and you have a good look at yourself, well, not in the glass, it lies, but in the side of the polished brass gong. Then, Roderick, then you are armed and strong, ready to begin again. Oh, madame. After that, everything is pure delight. First, the morning paper. I always read Le Galois, March 22, 1903. By far the best. Some delightful scandal, some excellent fashion tips, and, of course, the last-minute bulletin on the death of Leonid Leblanc. I'm shocked every morning when I read of it. Perhaps we can find him a copy? I doubt it, Sergeant. And so, when you've taken your fruit salts, or not in water, that gives you gas. Then Chaillot calls. <laughs> it's time to dress for your morning walk. Impossible to do under an hour, what with your corset, corset cover, and, and drawers which button in the back. I asked Madame Lavin a while ago to fit my drawers with zippers, but she declined. She said it would spoil the style. I know a place, Countess, where they'll put zippers on anything. (laughs) I think Madame Lavin knows best, Sergeant. What I do is just lace them up the front and twist them around to the back. (laughs) It's quite simple, really. Then you choose your lorgnette, and all you need more is a rubber band for your parasol. I lost the catch the day I struck the cat that was stalking the pigeon. Uh, Countess, why, I I found an umbrella catch the other day that had a cat's eye. Mm, Thank you, Sergeant, but they say those eyes sometimes fill with tears. (laughs) (laughs) So life is beginning to interest you, is it? Do you see how beautiful it is, my boy? Yes, I do. 
And then? Then, Roderick, I begin my rounds. My cats to feed, my dogs to pet, my plants to water. And I have to see what the evil ones are up to. Those who hate people and dogs and plants. Oh, yes, yes, I see them sneaking off to put on their disguises. To the baths, to the beauty parlors, to the barbers. (laughs) But they can't fool me. (laughs) When they come out with their blonde hair and false whiskers, I'm there. I'm ready. All you have to do to break their power is to cut across them from the left. Not always easy. Vice moves swiftly. But I have a good long stride and I usually manage. And on my rounds, I note that the flowers have been marvelous this year. That the butcher's dog on the Rubizé is friskier than ever. That dog had better look out, Countess. He has no license. He doesn't seem to feel the need for one, Sergeant. (laughs) So, you see then, Roderick, that's life. Does it appeal to you now? It seems marvelous, Countess. And that's just the morning. Wait until I tell you about the afternoon. Pierre. All right, Pierre, come along now. No, no, I'm perfectly all right here. I said come along. I'd, I'd, I'd better go. No. Madame, would you oblige me by letting my friend go? I will not oblige you in any way. All right, then, I'll oblige you. Ah! <gasps> Countess! This man isn't going to take you anywhere. In the first place, I need you to take me home. I'm alone and easily frightened. Ah! Pierre. Don't move, Roderick. Officer, arrest this woman. She refuses to let this man go. It's against the law for a woman to detain a man on the street. Countess, I have to ask, what are you holding him for? I'm holding him, Sergeant, because it's very pleasant to hold him. I've never really held anyone before, and I'm making the most of it. And as long as I hold him, he's free. I'm warning you. And I'm holding him because Irma wants me to hold him. And if I let him go, it will break her heart. Oh, Countess. That's that, then. All right, you. Move along. You're blocking traffic. I have your number, Pierre. You'll regret this. Uh, Thank you, uh, Countess. What have you done, Roderick? Have you murdered someone? I... I forged a signature. Ah. Whose? My father's. To a banknote. And this man has it? He... Promised he'd tear it up if I did what he wanted, but I couldn't. Of course not. Why, he's mad. Does he want to destroy the whole of Chaillot? The whole of Paris, Countess. And he's not kidding. He's mad, but very powerful. And he has friends. In three months, Chaillot will be covered with derricks and pressure drills. But drilling what? What are they looking for? Oil, Countess. They're convinced that Paris is sitting on a lake of oil. Well, I suppose it is. What harm does it do? They want to bring it to the surface, Countess. Oh, how silly. That's worth destroying Paris? What do they want to do with this oil? War. They want to make war, Countess. War? Well, my dears, let's just forget about these horrible men. The world is beautiful and happy and... Ah, Countess, if you only knew. If I only knew what? What are you all hiding from me now? Uh, We're hiding nothing, Countess. I'm afraid it is you who are hiding. You frighten me, mes amis. But go on. I'm listening. (sighs) Well, Countess, there was a time when 
old clothes were as good as new ones. In, in fact, they were better. Because when people wore clothes, they, they gave something to them. You may not believe it, Countess, but today, the highest price shops in Paris are selling clothes that were thrown away 30 years ago and selling them for new. That's how good they were. Yes. And so? Countess, there was a time when, when garbage was a pleasure. A garbage can was, was not what it is now. No, if it smelled a little strange, it was just because it was a little confused. Everything was in there. Sardines, cologne, iodine, roses. An amateur might jump to the wrong conclusion, but to a professional it was the smell of God's plenty. Yes, and so? Countess, the world has changed. Perhaps, but the people are the same. No, Countess, no. People are different. There's been an invasion from another planet. The world is, is no longer beautiful. It is no longer happy. What? And why didn't you tell me this before? Because you live in a dream, Countess. And we don't want to disturb you. Countess, there was a time when you could stroll through Paris and the people you met were just like yourself. Perhaps a little cleaner or dirtier or angry or smiling, but you knew them because they were you. Well, Countess, one day, 20 years ago, I saw a face in a crowd, a face without a face, eyes empty, not a human face. It saw me staring and, and looked back at me with its gelatin eyes and, and, and I shuddered because I knew that to make room for that one, one of us must have left the earth. And then I saw another and another, then hundreds, then thousands. I can't believe it. And what do these men look like? Oh, you've seen them all around, Countess. Their clothes don't wrinkle. Their hats don't blow off. When they talk to you, they don't look at you. They don't even sweat. And they have wives? Children? Oh, yes. They buy them. Out of shop windows, furs and all. They animate them, and then they marry them. And what do they do? They don't do anything, Countess. They meet and whisper and pass each other a thousand franc notes. They stand outside the stock exchange. You, you see them at auctions, but they never raise a finger. They stand by the ticket office, but don't go in. They don't do anything. But wherever you see them, things are never the same. Countess... There was a time when a cabbage could sell itself just by being a cabbage, but no more. I'm afraid that now every cabbage must have a pimp. Little by little, Countess, the pimps have taken over the world. 
They make nothing. They do nothing. They just sit and take their cut. Look at the shopkeepers. Do you ever see them smiling at you anymore? No. Their smiles are reserved for their pimps. The butcher must smile at the meat pimp. The florist at the rose pimp. The grocer at the vegetable pimp. It's all organized. It's why the cost of living keeps going up. You buy a vin blanc cassis. It costs twice as much as before. Two francs for the wine pimp. Two francs for the cassis pimp. Four francs for the vin blanc cassis pimp. So now you know why the world is no longer happy. Time of slavery has arrived. We are the last of the free people. You saw them watching us today. Tomorrow, Maurice will pay the song pimp, and the trash pimp will be after me. Well, we're finished, Countess. Is this true, Pierre? I'm afraid so, Countess. Did you know about this, Irma? I know the messenger boy won't take calls anymore. The juggler says uh, the oxygen's gone. He, he can't throw high or his flames go out. The pigeons only go on foot. Well. Well, they're all fools. And so are you. You should have told me about this at once. Shall we live in a world that is unhappy? We must rise up. Take action. All we have to do is get rid of these men. But how, Countess? There are too many. They are all connected like parts of a machine. Then we shall drive the machine into a ditch. Ah, it's not that easy, Countess. They change before your very eyes. You catch a president, he turns into a trustee. You catch a trustee, he's a board emeritus. You catch a senator, he turns into a secretary of defense. He's right, Countess. They have power and money, and they're greedy for more. Excellent! If they're greedy, then they're lost. If they're greedy, then they're stupid. I know just what to do. By tonight, the world will be saved. Have you any kerosene in the house, Irma? Oui. Bring me some. Just a little, in a dirty bottle. And add a little mud and some mange cure. Maurice, find Madame Constance. Tell her to be at my house by two o'clock. I'll be waiting for her in my basement where I nap. And tell her to bring Madame Gabrielle and Madame Josephine. Tell her not to forget. The happiness of the universe is at stake. You know how to get in to speak with Madame Constance, don't you, Maurice? You ring twice and meow three times. Here's the kerosene, Countess. Merci, Emma. Take a letter. Where's my pad? My dear Monsieur, uh, what's his name? They're all called Monsieur le Président, Countess. Monsieur le Président, I have personally verified the existence of a large capacity of oil in the basement of number 21, Rue de Chaillot. If you should wish to verify the existence of this resource, please call at... Three o'clock today. I enclose a brief sample. Yours truly. Pierre, do you think you could sign the prospector's name? Me? Yes, by of course. 
one forgery will wipe out the other. Yes, sir. Formidable. Now, Irma, hop on your bicycle and deliver this to the Monsieur le Président. Then hop over to the prospectors and leave word that he is to meet the President at my house at three. Oui, Countess. I must leave you all now. Pierre, you will escort me. Of course. How can I help you, Countess? Well, there's a great deal you can do. You can't imagine what needs to be done in a room that no man has been in for 20 years. Untangle the blinds so I can finally let in the sunshine. Get rid of the mousetrap. It's too difficult for me. Take the mirror off the armoire and deliver me from that old harpy who lives in it. Your arm, Valentine. Valentine? Didn't you hear the clock? At one, all men become Valentine. My name is Irma Lambert. I hate that which is ugly. I love that which is beautiful. I hate cruelty. I adore kindness. It may not seem so grand to some to be a dishwasher in Paris, but I love it. A dishwasher meets all sorts of people, and I love people. But I have never said... I love you, to a man. Men try to make me say it. They put their arms around me, they pinch me, but I pretend I don't feel it. They kiss me, but I close my lips. They take me out and make me drink, but I am careful, I never say it. If they don't like it, they can leave me alone. Because when I say, I love you, to him, he will know just by looking in my eyes that many have held me and pinched me and kissed me, but never before have I said I love you to anyone in the world, never. Shatem, Pierre. Irma! La vola! is here, Countess. Thank goodness. Bonjour, Monsieur. But why are you holding your boots? Etiquette, Countess. How lovely. But please don't stand on ceremony. Put your boots on immediately. Merci, Countess. Now then, to it, monsieur. I am certain that you must have a very poor opinion of the upper world. 
The way our people throw their filth into your environment, absolutely scandalous. I want you to know that I burn all my refuse, and I scatter the ashes. The only things I throw in the drain are the flowers. Did you happen to notice a lily float by this morning? It was from me. Oh, yes, Countess. We do notice, I would say, we notice a lot more down there than you might think. There are lots of things, little gifts, a new shaving brush, a copy of The Lower Depths. Thank you for the lily, Countess. A very sweet thought. You are welcome. Tomorrow you shall have this iris. But now, Monsieur Le Gautier, I have two questions. First, and this has nothing to do with our problem, is it true that the sewer men of Paris have a king? Oh, oh now, Countess, that's a silly story of the city ditch diggers. These writers today can't seem to keep their minds out of the sewers. They think we just sail around like the gondoliers of Venice. That we have a tribe of girls down there who never see the light of day. Completely false. Of course, they come outside. Twice a month. And troops of rats dancing behind a piper. Nonsense. The rats aren't allowed to dance. Of course, we have no king. Down the sewer, we are all Republicans. And no queen, then, either? Never! And no beauty contests, either! No swimsuits! Unless, of course, it's summer and the heat wave. Thank you, monsieur. But now, time is pressing. Do you remember one night I found you here in this very cellar, looking very pale? And you said that there was a secret. Yes, Countess. The secret of the wall. You promised if ever I should need it, you would tell me. I need it now, Monsieur. A matter of life and death. But only the king of the sewermen knows this secret, Countess. Stand back. goes down. May I see? No, Countess. Never again. That time you found me was enough. I kept going down and around, down and around for an hour, a year. I don't know. There's no end, Countess. And once you start down, you cannot stop. There's no coming up. You came up. I was lucky. I had my ropes. Could you have screamed? I could have fired a cannon. Who on earth could have built it? Paris is very old, Countess. Do you suppose there's oil down there? No. 
Not even water. The rats die of thirst. No gas. No coal. No gold. No diamonds. Not even mushrooms. And how does one close And now, Countess, there are two in the world that know of it. Merci mille fois, Monsieur Lecoutier. Countess! Madame Constance and Madame Gabrielle are here! Aurelia, what's happened? Have they found your boa? Adolphe Berthaud has proposed at last. I knew he would. How are you, Constance? How are you, Gabrielle? You needn't shout today, dear. It's Wednesday. Wednesdays, I hear perfectly. It's Thursday. Is it? Then face me when you speak. It's the day I see the best. Come along, Dickie. Come along. Oh, and stop barking. We are going to see the longest boa and the handsomest man in Paris. I'm afraid it's not my boa today, mes amis. No, poor Adolf. Please, sit down. Today, ladies, we must make a decision that could make our world a paradise. Couldn't we do it tomorrow? I have to wash my slippers. <laughs> oh, quiet, Dickie. No, this is more important. Where's Josephine? I saw her sitting on her bench in front of the palace, waiting for President Wilson to come out. She says she must see him today. Dickie! Well, we'll have our tea, and then the moment Josephine arrives... Oh, I do wish she were here. She's so wise. Go ahead, dear. We are listening. <laughs> Oh, what is it, Dickie? You want to jump in onto Aurelia's lap? <laughs> well, all right, go on. Jump, Dickie, jump, jump. Constance, we love you, you know that. And we love Dickie. But this is a serious matter, so let's stop being childish. Childish? And just what does that mean? It means Dickie, Constance, Dickie. You know, we love him just as if he were still alive. But please don't ask him to jump into my lap when I'm settling the future of mankind. He still has his basket under the armoire. He can go sit in it. So, you're against Dickie too. You too. Constance, I am not the least against Dickie. I adore Dickie. But you know as well as I that Dickie is only a convention with us. Is a beautiful convention, but he doesn't have to bark all the time. That time you went to visit your niece and you left him with me, we got along marvelously. He didn't bark, he didn't tear things, he didn't even eat. But when you're with him, one could pay attention to nothing else. I am certainly not going to take Geeky in my lap at a solemn moment like this. Not for anything in the world. And that is that. Constance, dear... I don't mind taking him in my lap. He loves to sit in my lap, <laughs> don't you, darling? Oh, stop being such a goody-goody, Gabrielle. We know you. You're much too sweet to be sincere. There are plenty of times I make believe that Dickie is here when really I've left him at home, and you cuddle and pet him just the same. Well, I adore animals. 
animals, Constance. If you adore animals, Gabrielle, you shouldn't pet them when they're not here. It's a form of hypocrisy. Now, Constance, Gabrielle has the right. Gabrielle has all the right. Two weeks ago, she invited people to come to tea with us. People we know nothing about. People who only exist in her imagination. Well, I didn't invite them all. They came by themselves. What can I do? You might introduce us. Well, if you think they're only imaginary, there's no point in meeting them, is there? But still, who likes to have imaginary people staring at one? Especially strangers. But they're very nice. Gabrielle, tell me, do you see them now? May I speak? Or is this going to be the same as our argument about inoculating Josephine's cat? <gasps> never. I will never give my consent to that. I would never do a thing like that to you, Dee. Oh, and now she's in tears. Oh, impossible creature. All right, all right. Come, Dickie, come, come, jump. No, no, he doesn't want to go now. Honestly, how can you all be so cruel? Don't you think I know about Dickie? Don't you think I'd rather have him here, alive and frisking about the way he used to? You have Adolf, Gabrielle has her birds, but I only have Dickie. Do you think I'd be so silly about him if, if it wasn't that it's only by pretending he's here that I get him to come sometimes? Oh, very well. Next time I won't bring him. Oh, now let's not get all worked up, Constance. Dickie, come here, come here. Irma is going to take you on a nice walk. Irma! No, he won't go. Besides, I didn't bring him today. So there. Very well, then. Irma, watch the door. Watch the door? You frighten me. Who's coming? If you'd let me speak, Constance, you'd know. Ladies, a terrible thing has happened. This very morning, exactly at noon... Oh, how exciting. Be quiet, Constance. Thanks to a young man who drowned himself in the Seine. Oh, yes. While I think of it, uh, do you know La Belle Polonaise? Well, yes, I do, Aurelia. Could you sing it? Yes. Uh, but Aurelia, who's interrupting now? Oh, you're quite right. Well, this morning, at noon, exactly, I discovered a horrible plot. A group of men want to tear down Chaillot. Oh, is that all? I'm sorry, but I don't understand, Aurelia. Why should men want to tear it down? Didn't they put it up? Oh, you are so innocent, my poor Gabrielle. There are people in the world, my dear, who want to destroy everything. When they put up one building, they knock down two. They build cities to destroy the countryside. They diminish space with binoculars and time with watches. Of course, I speak primarily of the male sex. Oh, Aurelia, you must not mention in front of Gabrielle. She's a virgin. She can't be as innocent as all that, Constance. She keeps canaries. I think you're being very cruel. Men are big and beautiful and loyal as dogs. Oh, my poor darling, you are living in a dream. The tide has turned. Men are changing back into beasts. Would that be so bad? It might be magical. They'd be sweet. Oh, yes. Or oh, you'd make a beautiful rabbit, wouldn't you? I would? We're the same race. My dears, you don't think it's just the men who are changing, do you? 
The world has lost its mind, and unless we do something, humanity is doomed. Now then, Gabrielle, do you have any suggestions? I know what I'd do. Yes, 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 Constance. You would write to the Prime Minister. Does he ever answer your letter? Well, he knows I prefer him not to. It might cause gossip. Sometimes I wire. When I told him about the Bishop's Frigidaire, it was by wire. And they sent him a new one the very next day. And what would you suggest, Gabrielle? Oh, Aurelia, how can she tell you until she consults her voices? There's no time for that. Besides, they're not real voices. How dare you say a thing like that, Aurelia? Well, really, do they still come from the sewing machine? Absolutely not. They're in my hot water bottle. It's much nicer. They don't chatter now, they gurgle. Well, I wouldn't call them voices. All objects talk. It's the principle of the phonograph. But to ask a hot water bottle for advice is silly. Very well, then. Tell us what you've decided. You've doubtless made up your mind. Yes. I've thought the whole thing out. All I needed was the source of the infection. And today I've found it. Where? You'll see. I've baited the trap. In a few minutes, the rats will be here. Rats? Don't be alarmed. Human rats. <gasps> well, Aurelia, what are you going to do with them? Well, that's it. Suppose I get them all here in my cellar. Do I have the right to exterminate them? Oh, I do wish Josephine were here. Her sister's husband was a lawyer. Madame Josephine is here, Countess. Oh, thank heaven. We're saved. Oh, my friends, I waited again today for President Wilson, but he didn't come out. Well, you'll have to wait a while longer, dear. He's been dead since 1924. I have time. I'm sure, Josephine, a person of your judgment has her reasons for wanting to talk to a man to whom no one would listen while he was alive. But now, we have a legal problem for you. Suppose, my dear, you had all the world's worst criminals in this room and you had a way to get rid of them forever. Would you have the right to? Why not? Exactly. But Josephine, so many people? Oh, de minimis non curat lex, Gabrielle. The more there are, the more legal it is. It's a military thing. The chief principle of warfare. Get all your enemies in one place and kill them all at one time. Otherwise, you have to track them down in their homes or offices and you lose interest. Your idea is very practical, Aurelia. Why ever didn't we think of it before? They've had a fair trial, I take it. Trial? Well, yes, you, you can't kill someone without a trial. No man shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. But they deprive us of ours. Not the point. We are not accused of anything. But if they get suspicious, Josephine, we may lose them. Hmm... There is a special procedure for such cases. What is it? Well, you may summon the defendants by calling them three times, mentally if you like, and if they don't appear, the court can designate an attorney to represent them. But we don't know any attorneys, and we only have ten minutes. Well, in case of emergencies, the court may appoint anyone. Defenses like baptism, it's mandatory, but you don't have to know anything to do it. How about the sergeant? No, he's under oath to the state. Well, all our friends, the ragman. Yes, Irma. Send down the ragman. What? 
Millionaires defended by a ragman? Heavens, yes. Criminals are always defended by their opposites. Murderers by someone who wouldn't hurt a fly. It's the only way to get an acquittal. But we can't have an acquittal. It would mean the end of the world. I'm afraid justice is justice, my dear. The ragman is here, Countess. Bonjour. Bonjour, Bonjour Countess, Madame. Uh, Irma said something about a trial. Yes, ragman. And you are the attorney for the defense. You do realize how much depends on the outcome of this trial. Do you know the defendants well? Oh, oh, madame, I I know them to the bottom of my soul. I I go through their trash every day. (laughs) Oh, may I make a suggestion? Instead of speaking only as an attorney, uh, may I speak directly as the defendant? (gasps) Uh, It's more convincing, I think. Excellent suggestion. Motion granted. But not too convincing, remember? Have you prepared your case? Uh, Almost. Uh, How rich am I? Billions. Uh, How did I get them? Uh, Theft, murder, or embezzlement? Yes. Uh, Do I have a wife, a mistress? Everything. Then I'm ready. Come sit, everyone. Irma, sit by me here. Counsel, you may take the oath. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Nonsense. You're an attorney. It's your solemn duty to lie, conceal, and distort. I swear to lie, conceal, and distort. That's better. Begin. May it please this august and honorable court. Flattery. Excellent. Thank you. The defense has been heard. Cross-examination. Mr. President... Do you know what you are charged with? <laughs> Madame, I, I cannot for the life of me imagine. My life is an open book. I am a pillar of the church, the sole support of the opera. My hands are spotless. An atrocious lie. Look at them. Now you don't have to insult the man, Aurelia. He's only trying to please you. You are charged with the crime of worshipping money. Do you plead guilty or not guilty? Oh, your honor. Yes or no? No. No, I do not worship money. No, no, no. Money worships me. Truly. It adores me. It won't leave me alone. Silence. Defendant, please tell the court how you came by your money. (sighs) Well, your honor, the first time I was a little boy, Yes, it it came to me in the guise of a golden brick I picked up while playing in the trash. Oh, I was horrified, of course. I immediately tried to get rid of it by swapping it for a run-down, one-track railroad, which at once, unfortunately, sold for a hundred times its value. In a desperate attempt to get rid of the profits, I I began to buy things. Oil refineries, the Galerie Lafayette, uh, munitions works, and, well, now I'm I'm stuck with them. It's it's awful. But I I don't ask for your sympathy, Your Honor. No, 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 no. I just ask for human understanding. Your Honor, the poor are responsible for their poverty. They they must suffer the consequences, but the rich, we cannot be held responsible for our wealth. I object. He's playing on the emotions of the court. The court has no emotions. Continue. You're deceiving no one. If you're so ashamed of your money, why do you hold on to it with such a deadly grip? Oh, I? 
hold on to my money? Slander. To the contrary, I spend all of my time trying to spend it. If I have brown shoes, I buy black ones. If I have a bicycle, I buy a car. If I have a wife, I buy... Order? A... I send a plane to Madagascar for a bouquet of flowers. I send a ship to Egypt for a basket of figs. I send a man to New York for an ice cream cone. And if it's not right, I send it back. But no matter what I do, I can't get rid of it. I throw a diamond in the Seine. It's in the trout they serve me for lunch. Please, members of the jury, you tell me how I can get rid of 40 million francs. He has a point. Ah, you see, someone understands. Someone not only intelligent, but beautiful. I object. Flirting. Overruled. Oh, Your Honor, I'm trapped. If you buy a stock, my friends, it plummets like a rock. If I buy it, it soars like an eagle. That's how I bought my chateau, my villas. That's how I endow the opera, keep my, my 12 ballerinas. Oh, my. I hope they deceive you every moment of every day. <laughs> how can they? Well, with the male chorus, the English horns, I own them all. I am incapable of jealousy. I have all the women, or can have them, which is the same thing. I get the thin ones with caviar, and the fat ones with pearls. <laughs> so you say there are no women left with any morals? Uh, I mix morals with mink, madame. Yes, pearls with protest, resistance with rubies. What woman could withstand me? I lift my little finger, and they fall like leaves in autumn. One more question, monsieur. Suppose you find this oil, what do you propose to do with it? Do? Do? What do you think? Make war. Oh, dear. Of course. I must. It's my destiny. Can't you see, fools, that I propose to conquer the world? Oh, no, no, j'accuse. People of France, I demand a verdict of guilty. Ah, guilty. I am never guilty. Oh, I'm never quiet. In the name of the law. I am the law. When I speak, that is the law. Order. Order. Contempt of court. Oh, the trial is over. And a verdict? Guilty. I have full authority to carry out the sentence. Oui. I can exterminate them. Oui. Court adjourned. I think I shall walk home along the river. Come along, Dickie. Ragman, will you see that she gets home? She loses everything, and in the strangest places. Uh, permit me, madame? Countess, the mazurka, remember? Oh, yes. Oh, Constance. Emma. Uh, Begin. Do you hear, mademoiselle, those musicians from hell? From Poland to France comes this marvelous dance. So gracious, audacious, will you foot 
Won't it perchance? Now my arm I entwine Round these creatures divine So pure, so impassioned Which Cupid has fashioned Come let us dance That devilish measure Tis a joy that's reserved To the gods for their pleasure Let's, let's gallop, let's hop With never a stop Let, let our heads be turned As a dance floor we spurn Oh my blonde Polish miss Oh my blonde Polish miss There was never, no never Such pleasure as this La 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 It's time for your afternoon nap, Countess. Thank you, Ama. I am tired. Lie down, Countess. Close your eyes. Yes. Perhaps for just a moment. Is it you, Adolf Berto? It's only Pierre. Don't lie to me, Adolf. I know these hands. Say that it's you. Yes, Countess. It is I. Oh, why? Why did you leave me, Adolf Berto? Was she so lovely, this Georgette? No. You are a thousand times lovelier. She was clever? She was foolish. It was her soul, then. When you looked into her eyes, you saw a vision of heaven? I saw nothing. I know. That's how it is with men. They love you because you're beautiful and clever. And at the first opportunity, they leave you for someone plain and dull. But why does it have to be like that? I know she wasn't rich. When I saw you at the grocer's, I saw your cuffs were badly frayed, my friend. Yes, she was poor. Your hands are still the same, young and firm. I understand why you come to me when my eyes are closed. Yes, I've aged. Not I. Do you walk now in the park at Cologne with Georgette? There's no longer a park at Cologne. Did you take her to the vaudeville? To hear Denise, Adolf? There's no longer a vaudeville, Aurelia. It has been faithful to you. It was on the way home from Denise that I first took your arm. I've never set foot in the Rue Bizet again. I go the other way around. It's not easy in winter when there's ice. One is apt to fall. I do once or twice. Oh, Aurelia, forgive me. No, never. It was very bad taste to take her to the places where we'd been. Give her the same postcards. Buy her the same chocolates. But has she any left? No. I have all my postcards still. And I have twelve chocolates. I will not forgive you. 
I shall always love you, Aurelia. I know. I knew it the moment you went away. He will take Georgette in his arms, but he loves me. He will take her to see Denise, but he loves me. You will never get rid of her, Adolf, because you have never loved her. That is your punishment. Aurelia? Don't forget me. Au revoir, Adolf Petto. Au revoir, mon cher. Now let go of my hand and give it to Pierre. Has he gone, Pierre? Yes, I come, Countess. You were right. It's a procession of taxis and limousines. I will receive them. Yes, Countess. Don't forget. Tell them I am deaf, so I can hear what they're thinking. Yes, Countess. Oui, Monsieur President. This way, Mr. President. <laughs> I had a premonition we would meet again, Madame. I want to thank you for your trust in us and assure you that you may place yourself in our hands with comfort. The Countess is quite deaf, Monsieur. You have to shout. Oh, that's right. The old cow's deaf. <laughs> is it true that you've located oil, Madame? I think so. You men would know better than I. Good for you, aren't you? Sign here. It's what we call a waiver. Well done, you! Excellent. Is this the way through here? Yes, that's the way. Let's go, boys! The prospector's here. I smell oil. Chanel number five. Sign here. An agreement to divide the profits. We want to be fair. <laughs> Down there. That's the way. Let's go, boys. <laughs> the bankers are here, Countess. What did they go? Right this way. Let's go, boys. <laughs> Countess, the gentleman of the class. Publicity, madam, can't do without us. If we don't report it, it didn't happen. <laughs> I'll decide what to charge the old bitch later. <laughs> right this way. And uh, what exactly is down? Your story, of course. <laughs> Let's go, boys! <laughs> That's the last countess. Oh. Countess? What happens? Where? They've evaporated, Irma. They were evil. And you see, Irma, evil evaporates. Look, Countess, through the blinds. The sun is coming through. 
Outside, Aurelia, come see. The sky is clear again. One can breathe again. Life is beautiful again. The pigeons are flying, Countess. The grass is growing. Strangers are shaking hands and offering chocolate bars. We are the friends of animals, Countess, and of people, and friendship, and flowers. No more hungry cats. Dickie shall know his right name. Every plant will be watered. The sewers will smell of jasmine. And out of the heart of darkness comes the light. Countess, I am free at last, Countess. No longer timid, no longer weak. We will flee no more that which we love. We will follow no more that which we hate. We wish to be beautiful with immaculate cuffs. And I bring you this melon. And I bring you this melon. Will you take my hand? Too late, mon cher. Too late. Too late. Oh, Irma, Pierre, kiss each other, you two, quickly. It's three hours since you've loved each other. Look at him. He hesitates, oh, how like a man. Irma, Irma, kiss him, or in another moment his hair will be white. And there will be another madwoman in Paris. Oh, well, there we are. The world is saved. You see how simple it was? Nothing is ever so wrong in the world that a sensible woman can't set it right in an afternoon. Irma? My bones. Let's go up, my children. To serious matters. Down here, there are only men. Let's concern ourselves with things that matter. We hope you enjoyed The Mad Woman of Chaillot. For more about us, for all of our podcasts, and to make a donation, please go to parsonsnose.org. I'm Lance Davis. Bon soirée.